Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just the ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. AW tonight made its Phoenix debut. They were in a new market. A lot of people in the building tonight. 7,000 people. Very excited crowd. Very loud in Phoenix tonight. And tonight was one of those nights where you look at the Dynamite lineup on paper, and it looks very weak. It was not a very impressive lineup on paper less than two weeks away from Revolution. They don't have very many pay-per-views during the year. They only have four shows. So you want to put your best foot forward the closer you get to that pay-per-view. And I looked at that lineup, and I wasn't impressed. Now, of course, God forbid you should say something on social media about that because all the mutants come for you, but we put them in their place. But what sometimes happens when you have a lineup on paper that's kind of like, eh, is they end up being really good shows. And when this show was over tonight, I will say that I thought it was better than the last couple of weeks of Dynamite. They were on a hot streak. Last couple of weeks have not been very hot at all. I thought tonight was better than the last couple of weeks, uh, but not by much. This was also not a a great show, but there were uh, certainly parts of it that I liked. There were parts of it that I did not like. But we have to talk about Tony Khan first, because on Friday on Rampage, there was a graphic that they put up on screen, and they made the announcement that Tony Khan was going to have a major announcement, which they later on amended to be an important announcement. But they said that Tony Khan would have another major announcement. Now, usually when we have these major announcements, people joke, oh, you know, the ratings must be down. And they were, actually. The Dynamite numbers were down last week. And so, wouldn't you know, we had the announcement of a Tony Khan announcement. And so all weekend long, as you would expect, people were speculating on what the announcement could possibly be. So they were thinking Ring of Honor, they were thinking maybe Forbidden Door, maybe it was going to have something to do with CM Punk, because we're getting very close to that period where. CM Punk is going to be healed up from his injury. What is Tony Khan going to do? Is he going to bring back CM Punk or is CM Punk going to leave? Right? That's going to be the next big drama that plays out. But that's what wrestling fans do. They speculate. And so Tony Khan appeared on screen in the second hour of the show tonight in the back with Renee to make his big announcement. And instead, he left the announcement to Adam Cole which I believe is what he did when they made the announcement about the first Forbidden Door show. So my first thought was, okay, maybe this does have something to do with Forbidden Door, but it did not. Although I am going to have some news on Forbidden Door here in a minute. Adam Cole had the floor to make the announcement that starting next month, they did not say when, but sometime in March, AEW is going to have a brand new television show that's going to be airing on Wednesday nights Immediately after Dynamite at 10 p.m., it will be on, I believe, TBS. I believe it'll be on on the same network right after uh, Dynamite. I actually didn't see whether it was going to be TNT or TBS. I think TBS. But it's going to be a reality show called AEW All Access. And he said that a lot of the stars of AEW will be involved, the people backstage as well, not just talent. And... 
course, Tony Khan thought that it should be made by one of their major stars, which is why he allowed Adam Cole to uh, be the one to make the announcement. So Cole said that we're going to get an unfiltered look at the stars of AEW like we have never seen before. And he said, for example, you'll get to see uh, a lot more of his own story. And he was also very excited to share, uh, not only share his journey with the audience, but also share with us that on that night that this new AEW show premieres, that night on Dynamite is the night that Adam Cole will be making his in-ring debut. Or not, I can't even say his re-debut, his return. His return from injury. We've been wondering when he's going to wrestle. I thought they were building to a match at Revolution. Evidently not. They brought him back weeks ago. And I thought it was building to something, some program for him at the pay-per-view. But instead, he will make his in-ring return on Dynamite that night, whenever uh, that night may be. And he said that he is damn sure that he's going to give us the best Adam Cole that we have ever seen. Now, the actual date was not given, which I thought was very strange. Because this show is debuting in March, right? So today is already February 22nd. We only have about a week left in this month. And it's going to be March. And they couldn't give us the date. I thought that was very weird. So we still don't know the actual Wednesday that the show will be premiering. Uh, but we know that it will be sometime uh, next month. So let's look at this for a second. As I said, they made this announcement that Tony Khan would have an announcement on Friday. And everybody started speculating. And having now seen the announcement, was this an announcement worthy of the hype that they gave it? No. (laughs) No, it wasn't. This did not need to be... Uh, announced on television in the way, or, or or hyped up for days in advance on television in the way that it was. But on the plus side, the biggest plus of all, it is a very good sign for Tony Khan and for AEW that Warner Brothers Discovery is giving them more television time. That's a positive sign in a year where AEW is going to be, if they're not already, renegotiating their next television contract. It is a good sign that Warner Brothers Discovery is investing more and not less in AEW and giving them another 60 minutes. This is not a half-hour show. It's an hour-long reality show that will air on Wednesdays. So for AEW, that is a positive sign. But again, was this worth all the hype that you knew people were going to be, all the speculation and everything? No, it wasn't. In fact, when the announcement was made, they kind of uh, coordinated it. The actual story dropped on Variety. Variety Variety.com has the formal uh, story about the new show. And I'll I'll just read some of it uh, to you now from the story on Variety's site. It says, the series is titled AEW All Access and is expected to debut on TBS. Well, there you go, on TBS in March. It will follow some of the company's biggest stars, including Adam Cole, Dr. Britt Baker, Sammy Guevara, Ty Conti, The Young Bucks, Soraya, Wardlow, and Eddie Kingston. Along with, uh, oh, hey, AEW All Access. Maybe we'll get to see Sammy Guevara and Eddie Kingston behind the scenes, right? You want to give us full access. Let's <laughs> Maybe maybe they have security footage of what went down last year between the two of them. Uh, actually, they might. Very possible, they might. Maybe that whole thing was a work. Maybe we all got worked. Maybe it was all filmed for this show. And we're going to see it play out on TV. It says, each episode will follow them week to week as they seek to remain at the top of the company. I didn't know Ty Mello and Eddie Kingston were at the top of the company. Uh, while also exploring rivalries between them. The show will also detail the lead up to major AEW events and pay-per-views. 
AEW has such an amazingly loyal and dedicated fan base that brings in more than 4 million viewers to TBS every Wednesday night. This is according to Jason Sarlanis, president of Turner Networks. With all access, we are bringing that incredible audience a whole new way of experiencing the wrestling universe they love. We have a powerful partnership with Tony Khan and AEW. With this new series, we are expanding the franchise in a way that invites viewers inside the world of wrestling like never before. So again, that is the biggest takeaway from this, is that AEW and TBS, AEW and Turner, working together in concert, that is good news if you are an AEW fan. Uh, But did they really need to uh, throw this out there on Friday that Tony Khan has a major announcement? No, they did not. Because, look, WWE always breaks news on Variety and websites like that all the time, right? They'll give them some scoop on some story. It would be it would be like Michael Cole going on SmackDown on Friday and saying, Triple H is going to have a major announcement to make on Raw this Monday. And then you kind of leave it out there all weekend. And then Triple H goes on television on Monday night and makes an announcement that, hey, we're going to have a new reality show that's coming to USA Network. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? You could have announced that on the website. So anyway, that's my thoughts on that announcement. Good news for AEW, though. But I got uh, even bigger news. If you were disappointed by that announcement or if you were hoping for some kind of announcement uh, about the next Forbidden Door show, we actually have a date for AEW Forbidden Door 2, which is not officially confirmed, but basically it is. Uh, And there was an item here on PW Insider from Mike Johnson earlier this evening, uh, as he was talking about several days ago on the website. The word making the rounds backstage this past weekend at New Japan's Battle in the Valley was that a second Forbidden Door pay-per-view with AEW was 100% set to go later this year, although details as to where and when were not known. Over the course of the last few hours, uh, people sent along a link to Spectrum Cable's pay-per-view listings. They have listings on there for all the upcoming wrestling pay-per-views, WWE and AEW, between now and the end of the year. And in that listing of all of the upcoming pay-per-views is Saturday, June 24th, listed as AEW Forbidden Door 2. So there you go. Not official from AEW yet, but there it is. It makes sense because the Forbidden Door show last year also took place in June. And so it looks like Forbidden Door 2 is coming uh, again this June on June 24th. And all I can hope is that now we can get Okada and Brian Danielson. That's a match I've wanted to see for many years now. That would be the perfect place to get those two in the ring together for the first time. Kazuchika Okada and Brian Danielson. Just give me that match and I'll be happy. That's all I want to see. You know, Brian has wanted to go to Japan and wrestle over there for the longest time. And it's kind of funny that Omega's gone back. We've seen Moxley's been there. All these people have been there. But not Danielson, because he didn't want to wrestle in front of clap crowds. Well, now, as of a few weeks ago, the cheering is back. I don't know how many of you saw the uh, Great Muda final bye-bye pay-per-view, or whatever it was called that they did at the Tokyo Dome the other night. Uh, Yesterday, in fact. Yesterday morning. Uh, I finally got to see, you know, the matches I wanted to see. I got to see it today. And it was refreshing having a Tokyo Dome show with people actually screaming and chanting and cheering. 
And so I think Danielson will likely end up going to Japan at some point. Maybe he'll do the G1 this year. But uh, that's a match I'd like to see on that Forbidden Door show. So we'll talk more about Forbidden Door as we get closer. But uh, let's go back to this show here. I said it was better than the last couple of weeks. There were things I liked, things I didn't like. Here's what I liked about the show. And it really should be no surprise. The number one program, the hottest program on the show, is the program around the AEW World Championship, as it should be. MJF and Brian Danielson. Danielson came to the ring tonight for a promo. He was interrupted by MJF, who has so many villain origin stories, I've lost track of how many fucking background stories this guy's had. But he told us another story tonight and uh, got, got a little personal. Got a little uncomfortable, frankly, uh, with Brian Danielson. But we also found out exactly why this man hates Danielson so much. And I thought that it was a a very strong segment. It ended with MJF face down on the ground and Brian Danielson finally getting one over on him. So that, that to me, was the strongest segment on the entire show tonight. That was the best segment on all of Dynamite. I like that. I love the opener. That was a hot pay-per-view caliber opening match involving Orange Cassidy, who was the most polarizing performer in the entire company. And when I posted what I did on Twitter earlier today, there were a few people who chimed in and said, I can't respect Solomonster because, you know, the way he puts over pockets. So as soon as they say that, I know exactly, you know, where they're getting their information from. These are people who can't think for themselves. Uh, But you saw tonight why Orange Cassidy is pushed so hard in AEW, because he came out tonight and they treat him like a superstar. And then when the bell rings, you put him in the ring with somebody who can go, Orange Cassidy can go. And he and Wheeler Yuta had a pay-per-view caliber excellent opening match tonight that I loved. The other thing I liked on the show was a segment that they did. It was relatively brief. Uh, But Christian Cage and Jungle Boy had another segment on the show that uh, ended with Jungle Boy being laid out. uh, But I enjoyed that. So to me, those are the parts of the show I enjoyed. Everything else, including that Battle Royal, I was not a fan. I was not a fan, really, of the main event. I was not a fan of the Battle Royal and how the Battle Royal ended because we now know one of the teams filling the remaining spots in the tag team title match at Revolution. And there were a lot of great teams in that Battle Royal tonight. You guys saw it. There were a lot of great teams in that Battle Royal. We had the Lucha Bros were in the Battle Royal. Top Flight was in the Battle Royal. Aussie Open, they flew Aussie Open in to be in the Battle Royal, right? Among others. Who won the Battle Royal tonight? Jeff Jarrett. Literally, he won the match. He got the deciding elimination at the end of the Battle Royal. Two men in Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, who only recently already challenged for the tag team titles. <laughs> they already had a tag team title shot. I think they even did a like a dusty finish or, or, or something, something with them at the end of that match. They're going to Revolution. And they're going to be challenging again for the AEW tag team titles. So anyway, John Moxley and Evil Uno were in the main event. If that sounds like a Rampage main event, that's because it was. Uh, but if you're a fan of blood, then you know what? This was the main event for you. We'll get into all the details of the show here. This is your AEW Dynamite review here for Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023. Dynamite kicked off with a championship match here tonight with Orange Cassidy defending his All-Atlantic title against the Ring of Honor Pure Champion Wheeler Yuta. And the crowd in Phoenix, all 7,000 of them, were hot for Orange Cassidy when he came out. 
They traded a lot of convoluted pinning combinations early in the match. Cassidy even used Yuta's own seatbelt pin attempt on him. Uh, and you could tell Yuta was very frustrated. All of a sudden, Claudio Castagnoli, the Ring of Honor World Champion, a fellow member of the Blackpool Combat Club, walks down to the ring in street clothes. He had his Blackpool Combat Club jersey on. Strolls down to the ring, and he goes over to Wheeler Yuta outside the ring. And he slaps him right across the face. Just slaps the taste right out of his mouth. Hey, Boots, thank you for your uh, gifted channel membership. Daniel Parker is the lucky recipient joining our little green world order that we have in the live chat. Welcome, Daniel. Slaps you to right across the face. He's trying to knock some sense into this kid. He's trying to toughen him up. And he tells him, enough of this fancy wrestling crap. All this pinning combination, all this technical bullshit. He goes, go in there and fight him. So Yuta goes into the ring, and that's exactly what he did. Yuta went inside. He took Cassidy down. He started gouging at his eyes. He was noticeably more uh, aggressive. He was noticeably more heelish, dare I say. Then he brought him outside. He threw Cassidy over the timekeeper's table and then flipped the table over on top of him, slapped high five with Claudio basically looked at this and said, my job here is done. And Claudio went to the back. Yuta was in control. And Cassidy, a little while later, had his hands in his pockets. It's pockets. It's pockets. Had his hands in his pockets. And he was eating chops from Yuta. So then Cassidy gave him the devastating shin kicks. Then he caught him with a front drop kick and then kipped up with the hands still in the pockets. Yuta controlled the match, though, through a commercial break until Cassidy avoided a splash off the top rope, and uh, both men traded German suplexes. Cassidy tried for the mousetrap. Yuta countered into one of his own for a close near fall. And then Wheeler Yuta spat at Orange Cassidy, but he didn't just spit at him. He spat his gum out at him. And you, I, I don't know that you could have, as many times as you would have tried this or rehearsed this and practiced this, I don't know that you would have been able to do this very often. But the gum stuck perfectly right to the middle of Orange Cassidy's forehead. Just this big blue wad of gum right on his head. So then Cassidy uh, spat on Yuta. That led to a forearm battle, which led to a double down. Yuta avoided beach break, pulled Cassidy over to the apron, but Cassidy countered and backdropped Yuta on the apron. And then hit a diving DDT off the apron to the floor. Back inside, Cassidy hit the satellite DDT. Yuta, though, countered beach break into a pile driver. Anvil elbows from Yuta. He tried for his seatbelt move. Cassidy transitioned, though, into his own anvil elbows. Uh, Cassidy popped up with an orange punch. Yuta kicked out. Cassidy hit beach break. Yuta again kicked out. And then Cassidy hit one final orange punch to Yuta, who was down on his knees. And he finally got the pin to win the match and retain the title. After the match was over, Cassidy wanted a hug. Wanted a hug from his old friend. Claudio reappeared. Claudio came about halfway down the ramp, looking at Yuta in the ring, and was motioning from the ramp not to. And so Yuta listened to his father, and he brushed past Cassidy on his way out of the ring. As I said before, 
an excellent pay-per-view quality opener, and they gave them time. This one about 15 or 16 minutes or so by my count. Uh, Cassidy, super over with the fans in Phoenix. And I like the intensity from Yuta. And, and, you know, Claudio coming out and, and smacking him and yelling at him and admonishing him obviously had a lot to do with that. Um, I, I would go as far as to say that this was the second best Orange Cassidy match that I have seen in AEW behind only the Forbidden Door match that he had with Will Ospreay, which I thought was better. And Cassidy's had a lot of very good matches in this company, and I think you know, there was a triple threat with Omega and Pac a couple of years ago. But this one, I think, may have been his second best match. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I also like the idea, which they tease multiple times on this show, of a heel turn for the Blackpool Combat Club. We saw it again at the very end of the show, which we'll get to that after the Moxley uh, main event. But there were definite hints in the opener and in the main event of uh, a different direction, uh, a heel direction for the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, with or without Brian Danielson, because apparently Brian Danielson is only a member of the Blackpool Combat Club when it's convenient for him to be a member of the Blackpool Combat Club. Uh, most of the time, he has nothing to do anymore with this group. Uh, but we are getting some sort of, of story now uh, involving the BCC uh, and Claudio being there to give Yuta a harder edge. Uh, and I'll tell you what, if that is the direction they're going in here and the members of the Blackpool Combat Club are going heel, Remember one of the ideas I talked about was about a week ago, two weeks ago, when it came to Mark Briscoe? And it would be very appropriate then if Claudio were to go heel, you know, even if it was a slow transition to a heel turn, if later in the year Mark Briscoe took that Ring of Honor World Championship away from him, away from a heel Claudio. It would actually work out better that way if Claudio was heel and uh, Briscoe were to take the belt from him, because that was an idea that I had floated. There's no reason why they can't build a story. Uh, not right now, but you know, again, later in the year maybe, of Mark Briscoe trying to challenge for the title that his brother once held, now that he's a singles, not a tag team wrestler anymore, and have him challenge for and win the Ring of Honor world title. That could be a great story uh, if they wanted to pursue that. So the opener was great. I loved it. Renee was backstage with Hangman Page and Evil Uno, ahead of Uno's match later on with her husband, uh, Miss, Mr. Renee. She asked Uno how he uh, prepared for the main event, and Hangman immediately cut him off, and he was very upset, saying, look, I've told you a thousand times not to get involved in this. Uno then cut him off and said, so many times, Hangman has requested that they not get involved in his matches, and they not get involved in his business. 
But when he does that, Uno said what he's hearing is that the Dark Order is not on his level. So he has a request for Hangman, which is not to get involved in this match tonight, no matter what. Because it's time for the Dark Order to stand up for itself. And then he looked in the camera and he said to John Moxley, he says, it's time to find out why people call me Evil Uno. Probably the best promo I've heard Evil Uno cut, brief as it was. You knew he was a lamb being led to slaughter. So this, this was his big moment tonight. It doesn't get much bigger than this for Evil Uno. So that set the stage for what we would see later on in the main event. Absolute Ricky Starks was out for a promo next in the ring. What have I been saying? They had that awful gauntlet a few weeks ago at Ricky, which just made him look like such a fucking fool. And I said, all you need to do, all you need to do to make people forget about that and get Ricky back on the right track is put him on live television with a mic in his hand. And that's what they did tonight. He said, it's no secret that for the past few months, he's been dealing with interference from the Jericho Appreciation Society. And the message is clear. Chris Jericho, you don't want to have a rematch with moi. So I accept that. And what I'm going to be doing here is moving on from Chris Jericho. He says, what I have here in my hand is an open contract for a match against me at Revolution. He says, you know, I come out here, I talk about how the Revolution will be televised. And he said, I'll be damned if I'm not going to be on that Revolution card somewhere on that pay-per-view. So he says, I know there's somebody back there who wants to be on the card also. Judas played. And out came Chris Jericho by himself wearing a jacket with spikes on it, which I would love to have one of those, by the way. I would love to know where I can get me one of those. You know, for whenever I am in the city with all those people. If I have a jacket with spikes, right, create some space around me, people will stay away from me. I would love to have one of those jackets. So he says, I know what you're trying to do, Ricky. You're trying to bait me into giving you another match. You say that you're over and done with Chris Jericho. You're done when I say you're done. Beating me was the highlight of your career. He says, bottle it up, put it next to your nightstand and admire it every night because it's never going to happen again. He goes, you are not at my level. So good luck with your little open challenge. I hope it goes well for you. So Jericho's on the stage when he's saying this to Ricky Starks in the ring. All of a sudden, we hear music, and out comes Peter Avalon, who had a... Who was it? Uh, Ryan Nemeth, that's who it was. Hollywood Ryan Nemeth. His video was playing in the background. Now, I'm sure, you know, they're all part of the same group on Dark or some bullshit, I'm sure. But it was still weird seeing Ryan Nemeth's name on the Videotron. But here comes Peter Avalon. I said, that's definitely not Ryan Nemeth. He didn't make it very far before Jericho gave him a Judas effect wearing his spiked jacket. He gave Avalon a Judas effect and knocked him down. Jericho then walked to the ring and he got up in Ricky's face. Says, you can't have revolution without Chris Jericho. Maybe I should sign your little contract, so I can embarrass your stupid ass. And Stark said, yeah, you could. He says, "Uh, but we all know your boys would help you out. He pointed out how, you know, Jericho, you were the first ever AEW world champion. He says, you're the guy who beat two legends in one night. You did that all by yourself, didn't you? 
said, all I'm saying is, I think you have it in you to get the job done all by yourself. And Jericho took the bait, and he said, you don't believe I can beat you one-on-one. And Stark said, actually, I do. I genuinely do believe that you have it in you to beat me one-on-one. Jericho agreed then to sign the contract and said that he would even add an addendum barring the members of the Jericho Appreciation Society, forcing them to stay in the back so that they do not get involved in their match. There's just one problem. I didn't bring a pen. And I thought, you know, look, if this if this were like ECW back in the day, Jericho would have gotten about, you know, 50 pens to the skull. But Ricky said, well, he says, uh, I do. And he pulled a pen out of his uh, jacket pocket. He handed the pen to Jericho, who then teased the pen click. He he dragged it out. The fans the fans uh, popped for it, right? Going back to the days of the list. So he pops the pen, and he signs the contract, and the fans cheered. And Jericho warned him, and he said, be careful what you wish for. Because uh, he goes, Ricky, remember this. Be careful what you wish for. Nobody outsmarts the Ocho. And Ricky flashed a uh, a devilish grin and then winked into the camera as Jericho worked, uh, walked to the back because he knew that his plan worked. So Ricky Starks has his magic revolution and the babyface gets one over on the heel, which isn't always the case. So it was nice to see the babyface. The babyface went over here. We didn't have a situation where we were dealing with the dumb babyface syndrome for a change. Uh, it is still very goofy that Ricky subjected himself to everything that he has and walked into that gauntlet by himself with no help, knowing full well he was going to be double and triple and quadruple teamed by these, you know, all, all the members of the JAS. Everything that he has subjected himself to over the last month or so, uh, even after he already beat Jericho. It's just dumb. Very goofy. But. They're going to go to Revolution. The only outcome should be Ricky Starks beating Chris Jericho for a second time. That's it. He won the first match. Jericho's been fucking with him ever since. They're going to go to the pay-per-view now. This is going to be their first pay-per-view match against each other one-on-one. And the only acceptable outcome is Chris Jericho doing the job again to Ricky Starks to prove that that first win on television was not a fluke and that Ricky is the real deal. And the other reason why is because I don't want to see this feud drag out any longer. (laughs) Beating Jericho once, cool. Beating Jericho twice, okay, fine, even better. After that, Ricky can move on to something else. I don't want to see this feud drag on any longer than it has to because we've seen that with Jericho before. Jericho and his groups, whether it's, you know, the the, uh, Inner Circle or the Jericho Appreciation Society, he tends to have feuds sometimes that drag on way longer than they should. This is a feud that needs to be done after Revolution when Ricky gets the win. And now they've set that up. We had the former AEW Tag Team Champions, the acclaimed, on the show tonight, taking on the team of Lee Moriarty and Big Bill, representing the firm, in Max Caster's rap, uh, he said, Bill's girl just texted him, and she said that he's S-A-W-F-T. And uh, that seemed to amuse Bill. Uh, Lexi Nair may not be that amused. 
especially if it's true. During the picture-in-picture, the guns showed up, the AW Tag Team Champions. Big Bill took out Billy Gunn with a big boot, and uh, Max Caster then sent Bill outside. Austin and Colton Gunn hit ringside to put the boots to their father. Bowens, meanwhile, in the ring, he battled back with the arrival. Caster came off the top with the mic drop uh, for the win. A lot of this happened during the commercial break. Uh, Probably half of this, if not more than half of this match, frankly, uh, took place during the commercial break. Uh, It was a basic match. Not much to it. Just a basic match to give the acclaim to win heading into Revolution. They've already, you know, got their spot. They're going to get a tag team title match of Revolution. This gives them a win on the way. They're in a new market tonight in Phoenix with a hot crowd. And so they gave the live fans the chance to see a Max Caster rap live. I wouldn't be surprised if that more than anything is why they wanted to make sure the acclaim were on the show tonight. And uh, the fans were very happy to see them. And so short and painless. There you go. Now, as soon as the match ended, they threw it to Tony Schiavone, who was on stage, and he introduced Christian Cage for a special interview. This is one week after Christian made his return and laid out Jungle Boy. So Christian starts walking out from the left side of the stage, and no sooner does he walk out, he is immediately speared and taken down by Jungle Boy who entered from the opposite side of the state. I, I guess I, I can't say tunnel anymore, because technically they don't have the two tunnels. Uh, but Jungle Boy came out of nowhere from the other side of the stage and took down Christian. Jungle Boy then disappeared, briefly, and he reappeared with two steel chairs, one of which he laid underneath Christian's head, and he was, you know, obviously he was going to be uh, teasing a concerto, a one-man concerto here on Christian. And he hesitated. He hesitated. He waited too long. And by the time he finally lifted the chair up above his head, Christian lifted his arm and delivered a low blow to Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy now was down on all fours. And Christian grabbed a, he, the chair that he was laying on top of. He picked it up. And he took the chair and he just he smacked it backwards and just whacked Jungle Boy right in the face with it. Then he rammed Jungle Boy's face into the chair. The chair was laying flat on the ground. Then he just rammed him five, six times over and over again, face first into the chair. And Jungle Boy came up bleeding. And uh, Christian stands tall to close out the segment. Their match at Revolution, I, I don't believe, they may have announced it later in the show. Things were going so quickly at the end of this fucking show. I was just trying to, uh, you know, wrap up my uh, my very basic notes here. And of course, Excalibur is talking like a fucking bullet train. So I don't know if they've made it official yet or not. Obviously, these two are going to have a match. Uh, it may be official at Revolution. Uh, I'm glad that Christian is back. I said that last week. I'm very happy that Christian is back. He, he suffered a pretty serious arm injury. He was out for a long time. And they had a stall because they were supposed to do this at All Out. They had a very brief 20-second nothing match. And so... Now they're going to be able to go out there at Revolution and have a kick-ass match. They're going to be able to have the match that we were supposed to get from them in September. And Christian I, Christian is a very good babyface. Don't get me wrong. You know, the fans were into him, you know, big time when he first came in. And remember when he beat Kenny Omega for the Impact title on Rampage and everybody went crazy? Christian's a very good babyface, but he's a much better heel. He's, this guy, he's such a dick. He's, he's just such a dick to people. 
that he is just such a great heel. And so I'm very happy to see him back. And uh, it's just a lot of fun to watch. And when he's healthy, like I said, we have a fully healthy Christian in there with Jungle Boy. They could steal the show. They're revolution. So the show cut abruptly to a video package for Samoa Joe and Wardlow. Their match is official. They're going to be wrestling for the TNT Championship at Revolution. It showed the uh, very end of the sit-down interview that Wardlow did with Jim Ross uh, last week, where he told the story about when his father was you know, dying and suffering from cancer. Uh, that is when you know, his father lost his hair because of the treatment. That's when Wardlow decided to grow out his hair and grow out his beard. And that was a story that he shared with Samoa Joe when they befriended each other and they were tag team partners. He trusted Joe with that information. And what did Joe do at the beginning of the year? He cut off Wardlow's ponytail. It put some context on why Joe would cut this man's hair off and why Wardlow would be so pissed, other than just the fact that this guy cut his hair off. So we got the tail end of that interview. Joe then commented that he did what he did to sever that connection and show that he was not a man to be trifled with. I think we all know that Samoa Joe is not a man to be trifled with. And uh, so this was very brief, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to their match. I, I, I was enjoying the string of Samoa Joe main events that we were getting for a while there last month. And uh, since Wardlow came back, it's only been a couple of weeks, but, you know, outside of this promo, we haven't, we haven't seen Joe. I'm hoping coming out of Revolution, assuming he loses to Wardlow, uh, that they don't just banish Joe to Ring of Honor and we never see him on AEW, but... If Ring of Honor is starting their weekly television next month, it may just be that that's going to be Samoa Joe's, you know, permanent home going forward. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. We had Soraya in a rare television match against Sky Blue. Sky Blue got an early Cazadora that did not look great. Uh, it looked like Soraya hesitated. That's what it looked like to me. And, uh, she went over for the move anyway, but I thought it looked like shit. Tony Storm was out there, and she got involved in the match while the referee's back was turned. Sky Blue fought out of the corner with a top rope crossbody, hit a snap drop kick. Tony Storm, though, distracted the official. Sky Blue clocked Tony, but then turned right into a thrust kick by Soraya, and Soraya locked on the Scorpion crosslock for the submission. Shout out, Bull Nakano. I remember, you know, even watching when they brought in Bull Nakano to WWE in 94-95 uh, to work with Alundra Blaze. And I think they had a match at SummerSlam in 95. I remember even then thinking, man, that's a painful-looking move. She would she would lock that hold on Alundra and just, like, wrap her up like a pretzel. So, uh, of course, I always, as most people probably do, associate that move with Bull Nakano. So, hat tip to her. Uh, after the match, they were about to spray paint. Sky Blue Green, she was going to become Sky Green, uh, when Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker ran down and the heels fled the ring. Instead, they spray-painted a DMD sign that somebody was holding up in the front row. And as Tony Storm and Soraya were leaving up the ramp, Ruby Soho's music hit. And Ruby walked out on stage, so now we had Ruby on stage, we had Soraya and Tony Storm kind of in the middle, Right there on the ramp. And then in the ring, we had Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. And Ruby, didn't, she didn't care about 
Soraya and Tony Storm, she was looking at Jamie Hayter in the ring and she was doing the, the belt motion around her waist because she wants the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, this match wasn't, uh, wasn't very good. And as far as Ruby Soho is concerned, you know, for Ruby, she wants the title more than she's interested in choosing a side. For her right now, this is not about picking a side. This is about going after the championship. It doesn't mean that she can't end up being a part of the little outsider faction or whatever you want to call them. But uh, right now, she's just interested in in Jamie Hayter. Uh, now, skipping ahead, there was a segment to follow up on this later on in the show. Tony Schiavone was in the back with Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. And Jamie Hayter said that Soraya has tried to wreak havoc here in AEW, and she's also undefeated. And so she said Ruby Soho also deserves a shot at the AEW Women's Championship. So her idea was that they make it a triple threat match at Revolution. And she would defend her title against both women, which I assume is uh, official. So it looks like we'll be getting Jamie Hayter, Soraya, and Ruby Soho for the AEW Women's Championship. Now, I, I get the idea that Soraya is undefeated. She hasn't had very many matches, but she's undefeated. Uh, I can't say that she's looked uh, overly impressive recently in whatever segments that she's been in. Uh, and and frankly, I thought this story had potential. It was kind of an interesting concept that you bunch together some of the, uh, you know, the, the so-called WWE women, and then you have them go up against the AEW originals, the ones who feel like they're defending the honor of this company that they've been with since day one. People like Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker. Uh, and others as well that you can, you know, Jade Cargill, you know, whoever. There's there's a lot of women who have never sniffed WWE. I mean, Britt Baker wrestled on Raw, but yeah, she had she had one match against then Nia Jax. Might have been Nia's debut. Now that I think of it, I think Nia Jax in her debut on Raw wrestled Britt Baker. Uh, but Britt Baker never, you know, signed with WWE. She was the featured centerpiece of that women's division from day one when this company started. So the concept had, and I, I still think it has potential, but just these segments every week have just not been good. I mean, is anybody excited by this? They go out there like some half-assed version of the NWO. I don't know who came up with the spray paint concept. I'm not sure what the significance of the spray paint even is. You know, the green spray paint. To me, it's just fucking lame. They have to drop that shit. It's unnecessary. You know, again, the concept of them being the outsiders doesn't mean you have to copy every element of what the outsiders did in WCW. So this has just been really lame so far. Uh, but as far as adding Soraya to the triple threat, again, she's undefeated, so I, I, I get it. I would prefer, you know, a one-on-one -on -one match with uh, her and Ruby Soho. I, I mean, some people are very down on the idea of Ruby Soho getting a, a title shot. Uh, they've kept her, you know, fairly hot since she came back from her injury. And I actually think that her and Jamie Hayter one-on-one -on -one could have a very good match. Uh, but it looks like they're going to go for the, uh, the three-way. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Justin Roberts was in the ring, right? Phoenix's own Justin Roberts to introduce the American Dragon. Brian Danielson for a live in-ring promo. He said it was great to be back in Phoenix. Said that it sounds like the crowd wants him to win the AEW World Championship at Revolution. He said he's going to do everything in his power to do that. He's going to do everything he can to beat MJF. Brian then turned his attention to what MJF said last week about hating him, how much he hates him. Brian pointed out, he said, you know, you tried to break my friend's arm, you took a bounty out on me, and you hospitalized my mentor, my friend, William Regal. And MJF hates me? You do all these things to me, and you hate me? MJF's music then hit, and the champion walked out. He said, Brian might have all these schmucks twisted, but he knows who Brian really is. He claimed that everybody he ever loved has tossed him away. Here's another origin story, everybody. For MJF, we're going to get another sob story here from young Maxwell. Says that uh, everybody has tossed him away until one day, earlier in his life, he met a girl that turned his life around. Turned his whole world upside down. And MJF claimed that he got on one knee and he told this woman that he wanted to start a family with her. He wanted to build a home with her. He wanted to spend the rest of his life with her. What did this woman do? What did this girl do to him? She left him. She walked out on him. And he got chance of You Deserve It, which was very funny, I have to say. Just in that moment, I thought that was fucking hilarious. So MJF said that the only thing he has now in his life This means everything to him is the triple B, the big Burberry belt. And it's the only thing that stops him from grabbing a fistful of pills and calling it a day. And this is the part of the promo where I just wrote, this just got uncomfortable. (laughs) This just got uncomfortable here. Meanwhile, everybody loves Brian Danielson. and When they see him, they yell yes at the top of their lungs. MJF said the worst of all, he has a family. Brian has a family. He's got a beautiful wife, right? He's got two healthy, beautiful children, and he takes it all for granted. He told Brian that he's had more concussions and head trauma than anybody in the history of the sport to the point where he was foaming at the mouth and having seizures. When he steps in that ring, basically what he's saying is that wrestling is more important than his family. He says it's spinning in his face, in MJF's face, and he mentioned pulling uh, or putting the uh, pill-addicted William Regal in the hospital. Says that he's going to punish Danielson for everything he's taken for granted. And then he started to mention Danielson's kids. And Brian Danielson warned him not to bring his kids into this or he would kick the shit out of him. And MJF did it anyway. 
He looked into the camera to address Bertie and Buddy. Those are Brian's kids. Bertie and Buddy. At Revolution, he's going to make Dada pay for all of his selfishness, and he's going to rip Dada's arm out to make sure he can never play with you again. He said for one hour straight, he's going to make sure that Dada can never pick you up again. And then Uncle Max is going to take his fist and hit Dada in the head with it over and over again. And he's going to give Dada a present on March 5th. Early onset C. T, and then before he could say E, uh, Danielson attacked him. Security hit the ring to pull them apart, got them into opposite corners. Brian broke free. He dove onto MJF in the corner. They pulled him apart again. This time MJF got free. He dove onto Danielson in the corner. Again, they were separated. MJF rolled out of the ring. Danielson on the other side broke free. And he got out of the ring and he circled the ring, kind of like Braun Strowman does. He comes circling. Here he comes around the bend. MJF had his back turned, didn't see him coming, and Brian blasted him with a forearm shot on the floor to close out the segment. So, again, I I have uh, I've heard quite a few different potential origin stories here for MJF, and the thing about MJF is there is supposedly a lot of reality and a lot of truth in in some of the stories that he tells. You know, the story about being bullied for being Jewish and having coins or whatever quarters I think thrown at him. Uh, the story where he was in the car with the girl who was, give, you know, who was filleting him, and then they hit a pole, and you know, then of course, then he talked about how he switched seats with her and everything. But apparently, there was some sort of car accident when he was in school, and so he incorporates these elements into his promos. I don't know how much fact and fiction was involved here in this one. It's very possible that he proposed to a girl when he was younger and she left him. I know he's engaged now to be married to a different girl and he seems to be very happy and you know mazel tov but uh it's possible that was a legitimate story but it's just funny to me there's been so many different stories where he talks about this this great impact that this life event had on him and uh clearly it has shaped the character that he portrays here on tv but what we got here out of this segment was we got the reason finally we got to the heart of the matter as to why MJF hates and despises Brian Danielson so much. We found out here in this segment. It's because Danielson has everything that MJF wants, other than the championship. Danielson has everything he wants. He's got the wife, he's got the kids, he's got the house, he's got the seemingly perfect life that MJF thought he was going to have, that MJF wishes that he had. And yet he still goes out there despite all of his injuries and all of his head trauma, and he risks it all every time he steps into the ring and how selfish that is of him. He can't wrap his head around the fact that this man is going out there every week and risking it all when he would kill, he would kill to have what Brian has. And now here's Brian Danielson wanting to take the one thing that MJF does have away from him. He already has everything else. The one thing MJF has, the big Burberry belt, and Brian wants to take it away from him. So he hates this man's guts, and he's going to uh, rip his arm off and beat him over the head with it at Revolution. Uh, I thought this was a strong segment, uh, and the pull-apart I thought was also really good. You know, Brian left uh, MJF laying. Usually it's been the other way around. 
Uh, it is the hottest program they have in this company right now, as it should be, because it's their top program. It's all about the AEW World Championship, so it should be the hottest program that they have. They really don't have anything else on the show right now that matches this, that matches the uh, interest level, at least for me. It doesn't match the interest level in this. Uh, some people might say, what about Moxley and Hangman? Eh, not really. Not really. This is the best thing going in AEW right now. And to me, there's really nothing that comes close. You know, you look at what the elite are doing right now. And it's actually quite amazing to me how Kenny Omega has, since he came back to AEW, has felt like just another guy. I'm not saying that you should just put the belt back on him and just, you know, make him the champ. But he came back and he's he's feels like a much bigger star working for, you know, his limited dates for New Japan as the U.S. champ there than he does in AEW. And you could even go back to the last time that we saw Kenny Omega before he went away to have all the surgeries that he had when he lost the championship in 2021 at full gear when he lost the title to Hangman Page. And, you know, you remember there was the, the little nod with the Bucks and Hangman and, you know, what's going to happen with the Elite. There was some some drama involved there. And you also had Adam Cole had, I think, just come in a couple months before that. And then Kenny Omega's gone for nine months, and he comes back, and there was no follow-up to any of it. None of it. Now, Adam Cole was hurt. That's not Tony Khan's fault. I mean, that whole thing disintegrated, right? Bobby Fischer's gone. Kyle O'Reilly is, is still out hurt. Adam Cole, you know, got his bell rung, and so he was not available. So you couldn't pick up with that story when, when you got the Elite back together. But, like, there was no real follow-up on the Hangman stuff or, or anything like that. And then Brawl Out happened, which was unexpected. So then he missed another three months. So he's been back a couple months now, and they're doing the trio stuff, and he just feels like a complete afterthought, which is why, you know, when I was talking about that story on the podcast on Sunday about Kenny Omega being a potential free agent that WWE thinks they can land, um, he, he has not been positioned as a top star the way that he should be, since he came back, he should feel like a bigger deal, and he just does not. And it makes me wonder if maybe he feels the same way. Maybe not. Maybe he's comfortable being in the position that he's in. Maybe it was his idea. Who knows? His idea or not, uh, they're going to have to, I think, coming out of Revolution, they're going to have to you know, figure out what are they doing with these guys. Are they even going to be the trio's champions anymore? It might actually be better if they're not. Because then maybe they can, you know, finally take this in a different direction instead of just having them have, you know, trios matches every week with no real story behind it. Uh, but, you know, Kenny Omega is sniffing 40 years old and you don't know how many more great years he has. He's one of your biggest stars. This time of year, everybody is talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, except that most of those changes never actually happen. Right, I've made New Year's resolutions in the past, too, that by Valentine's Day or the week after seem like a distant memory. Sometimes it's the smallest changes to your routine that tend to stick. In the same way, you don't need to break the bank to make a big purchase. Even the smallest things can make for a big change if it's something that you use every day. Like my Raycons. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point. At the gym, I'm a music guy. I know some people are podcast people, some people watch television shows on their phone. 
I'm a music guy. I can't get my heart rate up when I do cardio unless I've got my favorite music on blast. And that's where my Raycons are such a big part of my fitness routine. And Raycons start at half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't even have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. And here's another cool thing about Raycon. They want to make sure that you feel great about what you're spending your money on. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. So you've got nothing to lose. I've got a pair of Raycon Everyday Earbuds. I love their custom gel tips. It's a very comfortable fit in my ear. Their noise isolation, which lets me block out outside noise, is great. And I love that I can get eight hours of playtime out of them on a single charge. There's a reason these things have over 50,000 five-star reviews. On the Meltzer scale, he'd probably give them six stars if they were used in the Tokyo Dome. So, ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com slash solomonster today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash solomonster to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash solomonster. And use the code solomonster at checkout to get yourself 15% off. There was a segment, though, very brief uh, promo from the House of Black, one of the video uh, vignettes that they do, the the real kind of creepy ones, uh, you know, where this was later in the show where they said that they want to uh, have a chat with the elite on Rampage this Friday. So they are at least going to further that story and maybe make the match official for Revolution. After a commercial, we got the Revolution. Tag Team Battle Royal. Both members of a team must be eliminated for the entire team to be eliminated. We had Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Best friends, the Lucha Brothers, the Butcher and the Blade. Top Flight, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker. Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Roosh and Preston Vance. Tony Nese and Ari Davari. And Aussie Open. I was not expecting Aussie Open to be in there. One of the members of Aussie Open, I want to say it was Mark Davis a few weeks ago on social media, posted that their schedule was totally open. At first, I didn't know what he was talking about. It almost sounded like he had a falling out with his partner. I said, oh, man, what, what happened with these two guys? But I, I misread the, the tweet. He was saying something like, you know, Kyle's somewhere else. Basically, what he was saying is, we're available and nobody's booking us. And I couldn't believe what I was reading because Aussie Open and Dax Harwood, I mean, said, said as much from his own lips after they had that match at, at the uh, Royal Quest show back in October, may well be the best tag team in the world right now, bell to bell in the ring. They're certainly one of the best tag teams in the world uh, when it comes to in ring. And so it was shocking to me to read that that tweet and just realize that nobody's scoop these guys up full time uh amazing to me so at least tony khan booked them here on this show Uh, i don't know what their status with AEW is but at least he booked them for this battle royal they were eliminated though by the butcher and the blade after a commercial break josh woods uh was out there 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 were as many people outside the ring during this battle royal maybe as many people on the floor outside the ring as there were in the ring for this battle royal. Uh, Bliss fan, it's funny you mentioned that Hog should book them. We had Aussie Open in House of Glory uh, several months ago. In fact, they 
wrestled the Briscoes. And uh, we got to call that match, and it was, as expected, a fucking excellent match. Uh, so we have had them in Hog before, and we'd love to have them back. So, I, well, I guess with my commissioner powers, I may have to. I may have to start working the phones. I may have to pick up the phone and call uh, and call Mark Davis and see what we can work out. You do. You do make an interesting point. It's like, well, <laughs> why don't you make it happen? We might have to make that happen. But yes, we've had them in before. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what their contract status is with New Japan. Mr. Dynamite says, are they not under contract to New Japan? I don't know. I don't know, but uh, it looked like they were wondering, hey, nobody's booking us. I'm like, yeah, somebody should book them. So Josh Woods was outside the ring, and he tried to help Tony Nese and Ari Davari when Mark Briscoe ran out. I didn't know who it was at first, and then they, the announcer said it's Mark Briscoe. And you know, the fans started going nuts. He was acting like a wild man, and he brawled with, uh, Josh Woods to the back. Nice and Penta were out on the apron fighting. Penta hit a fear factor on the apron to eliminate him. The Lucha Bros pressed Ari Davari over their head, launched him to the floor onto Nice and Smart Mark Sterling to officially eliminate the team. Butcher and Blade eliminated uh, Aussie Open, as I mentioned before. Darius Martin also uh, fell to the floor. So, you know, again... Various eliminations were taking place here. I'm going to skip ahead here because none of this really matters. I, I This was a battle royal, by the way. That's a, I know it's a hell of a description of this match. It was a battle royal. It was every battle royal that you have seen in AEW. And there have been a few good ones, but this, this was not one of the ones you're going to be thinking about a week from now. The Butcher was uh, going on a bit of a run, though, eliminating people here in this battle royal. And he dumped Dante Martin to the floor. Ray Phoenix eliminated Butcher after that. Phoenix then immediately got tossed out by Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. So that brought it back to Lethal and Jarrett and Trent of Best Friends. And even at this point, I said, my God, like, this is the final three in this battle royal? You, you've you gotten rid of all these other teams? I thought, you know, the Lucha Bros seemed to me to be the favorite. Uh, coming into this, but of all the possible options here, once I saw who the final three were, it was pretty clear who was going over. But I was still in my mind, I'm like, well, maybe there'll be a surprise team or something that comes out. It can't possibly end the way that I think it's going to end. So Satnam Singh was outside the ring. He was going side to side to try to prevent his boys from being eliminated. Trent hit a tornado DDT on Jay Lethal but then immediately got planted by Jeff Jarrett with the stroke. Trent, uh, when he went to dump Trent out of the ring, Trent skinned the cat and used Orange Cassidy uh, to help him out for the assist because when Trent got dumped out again, Orange Cassidy got him on his shoulders to prevent him from uh, hitting the floor. Jay Lethal got backdropped to the floor, so Jay Lethal was eliminated as Danhausen chased Sanjay Dutt to the back Satnam Singh again helped Jeff Jarrett when it looked like he was about to be dumped out of the ring. And Jarrett hit another stroke on Trent before eliminating. He almost gave me a stroke watching the end of this battle royal. Jeff Jarrett wins the battle royal for his team to send Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal to Revolution to challenge for the AEW tag team titles as one of four teams 
in a fatal four-way match. And as I said before, in a battle royal that had all of these talented teams, from Aussie Open to Top Flight to the Lucha Bros and everybody in between, we get Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal, who already challenged for the tag team titles, are going to Revolution to once again challenge for the tag team belts. Why do we need Jeff Jarrett in a match on this pay-per-view? Why? This is exactly what I was hoping that we would avoid. There can be a spot for Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett's an old-school guy. He knows how to get heat. But I don't need to see him challenging for the tag team titles on pay-per-view when I have already seen him challenge for the tag team titles. So this was stupid. And I was not a fan of this battle royal. But fair play to Jeff Jarrett. I don't know how he continues to do it. But this guy is everywhere. He he leaves one place or he gets released. He ends up, he pops up somewhere else. It's like whack-a-mole with this guy. More power to him. This guy's all over the place. This was the point in the show where we got that video package from the House of Black. Malachi said that it's time to address these problems and eradicate them. Referring to the elite, so... We'll get that on Rampage on Friday. This is the point in the show where they went to the back with Renee and Tony Khan to make his announcement. And I'll just go through this very quickly for those of you who may have joined late and didn't see the beginning of the stream. But Tony Khan really did not make any announcement tonight. Tony Khan deferred to Adam Cole. He allowed Adam Cole to make the announcement, which was that starting next month, airing on Wednesdays after Dynamite, they did not tell us when. It's not exactly that far off. I don't know why they couldn't give us the specific date, but they didn't. But starting next month, on TBS at 10 p.m., they're going to be airing a one-hour reality series called AEW All Access that is going to follow around some of the top stars in AEW. And I don't know how much of this is going to be reality versus kayfabe. I don't know if it will all be reality. It's wrestling, so it will never it will never be all reality. There is no such thing as a real reality show. Every reality show is a fraud. There's at least some element of kayfabe, even to non-wrestling reality shows. I always said, why do they call it reality television? There's nothing real about it. Do you see some of these reality TV shows? I have to sit here on Monday nights watching Raw, and I get a commercial break every 60 seconds on that fucking show. And I have to see these commercials for Chris Lee Knows Best. The fakest fucking family I've ever seen in my entire life. There's not a fucking thing about that show that's real. Hogan Knows Best. (laughs) You want to go back to Hogan Knows Best? You want to tell me what's so real about that show? Yeah, fucking break. So I don't know how much, I don't know what the the ratio of reality to fiction is going to be on this show. But it's going to cover the lives of of the talent and some of the behind the scenes people. So I'm sure there'll be elements of uh, reality to it. And no, I am not uh, bumping the Dynamite recaps to 11 o'clock, by the way. So for anybody who is wo- <clears throat> anybody who is wondering, are you going to be covering the new show and then reviewing it after? No. When Dynamite goes off the air, we go live 20 minutes later, just like we always do. So that was the big announcement. And uh, the other part of the announcement is that Adam Cole is going to be making his return to the ring that very same night that the reality show debuts on that episode of Dynamite. Uh, What week? Again, we don't know yet. The main event of this show was John Moxley, one-on-one against Evil Uno, 
of the Dark Order. That sounds like a Rampage main event, not a Dynamite main event, but it was a Dynamite main event tonight. Evil Uno rushed John Moxley right at the bell, went right after him. Moxley, though, quickly turned the tables. Uno fired out of the corner with a big kick, took his vest off, and wrapped it around Moxley's throat. He was biting his head. Even through his mask, he was biting at John Moxley's head. Uno sent Moxley outside. He went to the top. He hit a somersault senton out to the floor. Moxley recovered and sent Uno into the steps head first, which busted him open under the mask. You could see under you know, the uh, the exposed eye portion of his mask. He was all bloody. Uh, after eating a few shots, Uno fired back with uh, pile drivers. And he tried to go for another one. Moxley, though, countered into the anvil elbows and got the rear naked choke. Uno was just dripping blood. I mean, this was this was a uh, a sick blade job from what we could see because he's wearing a fucking mask. Uh, one of those sick blade jobs. And Moxley slaps on the bulldog choke, and again, blood is just pouring everywhere. Shockingly, it was not John Moxley's, but uh, stay tuned. We're not done yet. So eventually, Uno passed out in the choke. That led to the ref stoppage. Moxley would not let go of the hold. He would not release the hold. Blood pouring everywhere. It looked like a crime scene. John Silver and Alex Reynolds hit the ring to make the save. But Claudio and Wheeler Yuta from the Blackpool Combat Club, they came out to fend them off. Again, very heelish. Fighting these men. Now, I know they're part of the same group with Moxley. You would expect them to come to Moxley's aid, but still very heelish on their part that they would uh, prevent people from trying to rescue this man who was dying and bleeding out in the middle of the ring. Hangman Page in the back had seen enough. Yes, Evil Luno did say, don't come out. I don't need your help, but the match was over now. So here comes Hangman Page. And Hangman Page has barbed wire wrapped around his fist. And he. Popped Moxley in the face. You know what that means. It's Wednesday. You know what that means. It means blood pouring from the body of John Moxley. So now Moxley is wearing the crimson mask. And Moxley is now pouring blood. Page tried for a buckshot lariat. Moxley bailed out to the ramp. And he was a bloody mess as they rushed off the air to end the show. That was our parting shot on Dynamite tonight. They got a close-up shot of Moxley sitting on the ramp, covered in blood. That should be the official logo of AEW Dynamite. It should just be John Moxley's face with blood pouring down. That could be part of the new logo. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The main event was part of the overall story. I understand that. I understand that. Hangman Page is friends with the Dark Order. John Moxley tonight was sending a message to Hangman Page by beating up one of his dear friends and trying to murder this man. Part of the story, I get that. But this was not a suitable main event. It didn't feel like a suitable main event for this show. 
that's what they came up with to try to, you know, again, extend the story between the two of them. I understand that, but uh, this did not feel like a dynamite main event. And I, for me, I'm just, I'm over it with all the blood. I'm sorry. Like, I don't mind blood in wrestling, but it is just, it's comical. It is comical how heavily they rely on it here in this company. And this is a feud where you could argue if there's going to be blood, this is it, right? Their match at Revolution is going to be a Texas death match, so you already know you're going to get a bloodbath. And this feud has been going on now for several months. This would be one of those feuds where I would say, all right, if there's going to be blood, this would make sense, that that these guys would uh, would bleed, right? And they would have a big brawl to, to end the feud. But we see it so often on the show, whether it's, Takeshita, whether it's Danielson, Moxley, Hangman, Evil Uno, Jungle Boy Bled on this show, Dustin Rhodes, every time we see him on television, which usually is only on Rampage now, he's always, he was bleeding the other week. It's just, it's a gimmick they rely on so often. That's how I feel about it. I think they rely on it too much. It's, it's to the point where now it's just gratuitous, it feels like, for, for the sake of doing it. Either that or... Tony Khan is allowing so much leeway that everybody feels like they have to have blood in their thing and they're not even coordinating. Maybe that's part of the problem here, right? This guy says, oh, we have to have blood in our thing. Moxley's going to have blood in his. This guy's going to have blood here. It's just like, I like the use of it. I'm okay with the use of it in wrestling, but make it feel special where when you see it, you know, oh shit, shit's about to get real here. And I guess now I'm just so desensitized to it that uh, I just wish they were a little more careful with how they used it. So, not a fan of the end of this show. And really, the overall show, I I thought that the show was better than it was the last couple of weeks, but uh, by no means, I I didn't think this was a great show. It looked weak on paper. Uh, It was a little stronger than I expected it to be, but not by much. You know, there, there were the segments I named earlier that I liked on the show. Everything else I really wasn't a fan of. Uh, Rampage on Friday has Action Andretti against Sammy Guevara, Young Bucks against Aussie Open, which that should be very good, Willow Nightingale against Tony Storm, Lance Archer is going to make his return to AEW. Not long after Lance Archer went on social media and complained about the fact that he wants to work. Well, now he's going to get to work on Rampage, and we're going to hear from Keith Lee and Dustin Rhodes. And then on Rampage next Wednesday, we have the Tag Team Casino Battle Royale to fill the final spot in the Tag Team Title Match of Revolution. We'll see who the Jokers are. I said last week, I think it'll be FTR. Dax Harwood on his podcast is already talking about how he's itching to come back. He said something to the effect of, you know, he he may not want to wait until April. So, I don't know. Wouldn't shock me to see FTR as the Jokers in the Battle Royal next week. And Hook. The FTW champion, no longer suspended, is going to be uh, facing an opponent of Stokely Hathaway's choosing. You know, Bliss Fan made a very good point just now in the chat uh, that I would uh, piggyback on, which is that I mentioned WWE, right? And, and of course, WWE does not allow blading anymore. And we see blood in WWE, but when we do, generally it's, it's hard way. But if ever there was a match or an angle where there should have been blood, it should have been the stuff with Roman Reigns and the bloodline and Sami Zayn. It should have been that angle of the Royal Rumble. It really should have. The beatdown that they put on Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, if this was a different era in wrestling, those two men would have been 
laying in puddles of blood when that angle was over. And it would have added a lot to it because that thing's been built up for so long. Uh, the bloodline should, should put a beating down on those guys like that. So I did feel like if ever there was an angle in WWE where blood would have really added to it, uh, that would have been it. But uh, we, we, it's like two polar opposites. One company just doesn't do it at all or tries not to, and the other company can't get enough of it. There's no in-between. I'm looking for the in-between. I guess that's what I'm looking for. Can we meet in the middle? Can we find that happy medium? I think that's where we need to be. Here's the Twitter poll. Hmm. Not a lot of fans of this show tonight, it looks like. 1,200 votes in so far. Only 43% thumbs up. About 29% thumbs in the middle. And 27% thumbs down. So uh, well below the 50% mark so far. It's still early in the night. But with 1,200 votes in, I, I don't know. It doesn't look like we're going to hit the 50% mark on this show tonight. Like I said, better than the last couple of weeks, but I still didn't think this was a great show tonight. Had its moments, but uh, I was not a huge fan of uh, what I saw. But as usual, the MJF and the Brian Danielson stuff, that was the, uh, the top deal on the show tonight. So let's go through your Super Chats. Remember, uh, I did mention earlier the goal uh, for tonight... The likes goal was 450, and uh, we're right around 440. We only need 10 more. Who's going to be the final 10? Put us over the top and get us to be the booker. We'll find out. We'll see if we get there. Uh, we begin with our boy Drew. Dropping for the uh, dropping some in the tip jar here. Thank you, Drew. I appreciate it. Uh, we've got uh, crypto in poker. Says uh, Brock's matches are horrible, so why no Omos match? So, so your solution is to take somebody who you think has awful matches and just put him in another awful match. That sounds about right. Uh, PJK, what is your favorite match in Dynamite history? Ooh, that's good. There have been a lot of great matches in Dynamite history. Uh, there were a lot of great matches on Dynamite last year. Dynamite last year had far more, uh, you know, great matches than Raw and SmackDown. Uh, a lot of them were on my list, in fact, of the top 15 matches of the year. I would probably go with the second match with Brian Danielson and Hangman Page. I think the Hangman Danielson match from the first Dynamite of last year, I think that was the January 5th episode for the AEW world title, that, that may be my pick. I know some people might say Omega and Danielson from the first uh, Grand Slam show. Uh, that was that was also excellent, but I, I think the Hangman Danielson Part 2 is the one that I might go with. Uh, PJK also says, you are an inspiration to me. Recently started a podcast. Keep up the good work. Appreciate all that you do. Well, PJK, I wish you luck. As I tell everybody who is just starting out. Uh, you don't have to overcomplicate things. You get yourself a decent mic. You get yourself a decent webcam. Figure out what the format is and what you want to talk about and just make sure you have fun. And be consistent. You're going to do a podcast once every six weeks. It's not going to It's not gonna work. You're going to fail. You've got to want to do it. Trust me. Believe me. I Believe me, I know. I've, I've done this for a while. 
Uh, Lakers Pats. Very funny. Thank you, Lakers Pats. Uh, Shin Superkick Akuma with the $5 super chat. Rhea Ripley will be entering her fourth WrestleMania in a row in championship matches. Rhea Ripley? You sure about that? Rhea Ripley, how is that possible? That that can't even that can't be possible. You might be talking about uh maybe Bianca? I don't know if that's right. Uh, Joseph Brooks with the 999. I saw a video on YouTube and it had 10 great matches that WWE never talks about. So I wanted to do a buy, rent, sell on three of the matches that they included. Rock and Stone called it Backlash 99. Triple H against Undertaker at WrestleMania 17. And Shawn Michaels against Kurt Angle Part 2. I, I talk about Triple H and Undertaker WrestleMania 17 a fair amount, actually. I think that's a very underrated match uh, because everybody else talks about their their later WrestleMania matches. Um, for me, I would, boy, you know, I would probably buy on the Triple H Undertaker match. I, I enjoyed that match a lot. Um, Rock and and Austin at Backlash also very good. But I haven't seen Michaels and Angle Part Two in so long. I'd have to go back and rewatch it. Uh, it wasn't as good as their WrestleMania match. I think they also had a Vengeance match that year. They had three matches that year. This might be the 30-minute Iron Man match, if this is the one I'm thinking of. But I just haven't seen it in a while, so I'd have to go back and watch. I like the other two matches, though, a lot. And, uh, you know, HBK and Angle, I mean, they're, they're incapable of having a bad match. So I'm sure it was very good. Luther Angel, not the best episode, but decent. Better than Raw. I think that's a fair assessment. All right, so apparently Rhea Ripley, I forgot that she did uh, participate in the women's, I guess there was a women's tag team title match last year that, I have no memory of this, by the way. I have no memory of this. So I will take your word for it that this is four years in a row. 36, let's see, 36. I know she defended her NXT title against Charlotte, and she lost. 37 was the Raw women's title. So I guess 38 is the one I forgot about. Yeah, she was in the women's tag team title match. So this will be four straight years of Rhea Ripley and title match. How come it doesn't feel that way to me? If you would have told me that about Charlotte, if you would have told me that about Becky, if you would have told me that about Bianca, I would have believed you. But for some reason, it doesn't feel like four years in a row of Rhea being in title matches. Well, hopefully she'll be walking out with a championship this year. Uh, naughty delicious chicken with flavor. If Mercedes Monet or uh, Monet decides to work in AEW, I would book her to challenge Jade Cargill and beat her for the TBS title. Cargill against Statlander storyline is dead. Well, I don't see Mercedes signing with AEW anytime soon. I tell you what I could see, though. And this is interesting. I was thinking about this. We could very well, depending on how long she holds on to that IWGP title for, we could potentially, because I believe that we will have stardom involvement in this year's Forbidden Door. We didn't have that last year. I think there will be a stardom match, at least, on the show this year. 
we could very well end up with Mercedes defending the IWGP women's title, or, or not even defending it, but being on the show as the IWGP women's champion against someone like like uh, Jamie Hayter. If, let's say, Jamie is the AEW women's champion, even if it were non-title, which I'm sure it would be, how's that for a match? Jamie Hayter and Mercedes Monet. I feel like she would break Mercedes in half. <laughs> I feel like it would be a great match. But I, you know, Hater hits hard. And I don't know, Mercedes, she's not the smallest woman. She's, you know, she's not the tiniest woman or anything. But I, I feel like Jamie would break her in half. And I don't know if that would end well for her. But that would be a hell of a fucking match. And uh, right now, the, the way things are shaping up, it could very well happen. Uh, the Mount Vernon kid, Christopher Bennett, that Danielson KO shot was beautiful. What say you? Oh, it was. He knocked the hell out of him. He blasted him with that forearm. It looked great. Brian Danielson has a way of making his his uh, his stuff in the ring look great. Because he is one of the best in the world at what he does. Uh, Mr. Chicken with flavor. Ricky Starks needs to beat Chris Jericho again and move on. No more Jericho on AEW television. We don't need another booty call from Y2. A booty call? I don't know what show you're watching. And Rhea Ripley against Charlotte Flair's match. I book Rhea Ripley to beat Charlotte with the Judgment Day getting involved in the match. More heat on Dominic. Uh, I don't think that's necessary at all. I don't think it's necessary. And Dominic is going to have his own business going on with I assume with his father, he'll have a match probably with Ray. Doesn't mean he can't be in Rhea's corner for the match. Especially if, if Dominic has a match, it doesn't have to be on the same night that Rhea's match is. But I don't even think it's necessary. I mean, you're probably right, the Judgment Day will interfere, but uh, I I don't think it's needed. Uh, Dick the Cock Johnson with the 499 Super Chat. I highly recommend checking out Billy Starks and Emmy Sakura from yesterday's Dark. It was better than a lot of the women's matches on actual AEW television. I heard it was a very hard-hitting match. So uh, I may have to check that out. I, As I said before, I watched the Pro Wrestling Noah show from the Tokyo Dome from Tuesday. So I got to see Okada and Kiyomiya. It was a very good match. But it was amazing to me, just the way that Okada was just little brothering him. <laughs> it was just, he was just such a fantastic asshole. Like, as soon as the match was over, he did, I mean, he just took his belt and he couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Uh, but they had a very good match. It was something, though, to see that every New Japan star, I think there were four matches with New Japan talent against Noah talent. And New Japan talent, I believe, won every single one of those matches. Like, there was no parody booking going on there. It was like, yeah, you want us on this show, we're fucking winning these matches. Uh, LaShawn C. Whose failure was more disappointing, Velveteen or Tessa Blanchard? Also, it's crazy listening to older stuff and seeing things that you predicted right. I know that happens a lot. You should be used to it by now. Uh... Of course, ignoring all the stuff I get wrong. I like it when people talk about the stuff I actually get right. Um, which one was more disappointing? It's hard to say because, I mean, they're, they're just... They come off as two terrible people. So I think it's disappointing that they have all this talent 
where wrestling is concerned, that is now forever wasted. And they have nobody to blame for that but themselves. They really did. Both both of those individuals screwed themselves out of a very lucrative career in wrestling. And that's their own fault. And as far as who I find to be more disappointing, I mean, it's equally disappointing. But again, they're two people who made their own beds. And so they have to lay in it. I don't really feel sorry for either one of them. Fire Panda with the $20 Super Chat. Hey, Fire Panda, thank you very much. Salamaster, if you ever stop using Dream Machine Racing Queen for some of the intros, I will cry because it is hands down the best song that you use. Well, I use it. It's a very good song. It gets me all pumped up here before the streams. I feel like I want to run out to my car and go drive somewhere. Only my car is not nearly as nice as the one that I use in that intro. Uh, Naughty Delicious Chicken with Flavor. What are the chances of a WWE-AEW partnership? Uh, zero. You just had Tony Khan in an interview last week talk about how, you know, the two companies, we legitimately hate each other. I don't think there's going to be any partnership anytime soon. There will be no partnership. Big Talon 256 with the 999. I thought this was a solid show, not on the level they were at, but certainly not bad, which must mean AEW is at death's door. No fandom is as overdramatic as the IWC. I said it this morning after I posted my tweet, and I, you know, of course, all, all the all the mutants came out to attack. I said there's no fandom in wrestling that is <clears throat> quite like the AEW fan. And WWE ha has their own weirdos as well. And back in the day, it was the TNA soldiers. You know. they they're still my favorite. I have a special place in my heart for those souls. But the AEW, like, like some of the AEW diehards, if they get any whiff of any negativity whatsoever, they just lose their mind. And it's, it's, it's kind of sick. It's kind of demented, to be honest with you. And it makes me wonder if they just truly don't have anything else going on in their lives. It's, it's kind of sad, but uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. The slightest hint of negativity. And immediately they come after you or they do the what about, the what aboutism, you know, with WWE. Uh, it's amusing, but it's just really, really sad. And uh, it's, it's pretty pathetic, I have to say. Uh, Bread Hart, please no more Jeff Jarrett on TV. Please, Tony Khan. I'm sure Tony Khan will get right on that, Bread Hart. Yes, yeah, sh right. Shillow Monster. I always say, I know I'm doing something right when I get attacked as being a WWE shill. And then I'll be, atta I'll be attacked by the WWE fans for being an AEW shill and not being harsh enough on their shows. I always feel like I'm at my best when I'm being called a shill for both companies. That's how I know I'm doing something right, because I'm right in the middle. There's plenty of other shows and podcasts with plenty of biased people out there if you want to go get one side or the other. I like to think I'm fairly... I, I'm pretty fair overall. So I know I'm doing something right when I'm getting hit by both sides. And by the way, I've been told that I'm, I'm a shill and I'm being paid by both companies, and I still, after all these years, I have yet to receive one paycheck. I'm still wondering where my paycheck is. 
Maybe it's a direct deposit and they sent it to the wrong account, but I have yet to get paid by either of these companies. And I feel like maybe uh, I ought to maybe call them up and find out where, where the money is because I certainly haven't seen any of it. So. Uh, Sean D with the $5 super chat. I'll bet that you I'll bet you one gazillion fajitas that MJF is gonna still do his usual shtick on this supposedly unfiltered show. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, Juan Ocampo. Uh, what's up, you WWE shill? Uh, Twitter is a cesspool. Yes, it is. I, I, uh, I feel like... I feel like, uh, what's his name? My God, I forgot his name. From the Shawshank Redemption, crawling out of the... Crawling out of the sewer tunnel. Crawling through the tunnel of shit. That's me scrolling my Twitter feed and my Twitter... My Twitter replies and Twitter mentions every single day. Andy Dufresne. There you go. The character from the movie. Andy Dufresne. I feel like Andy Dufresne every time I'm scrolling through Twitter. Andy VR Omni with the 499 Super Chat. Jacksonville Dixie strikes again. Good for AC, but this did not need the hype and build that they gave it. Besides the MJF segment, in my opinion, it was a mid-show. I still get a crack. I still crack up when I hear Jacksonville Dixie about Tony Khan. I just, I'm still amused by that. Uh, Bret Hart, I want to send my best wishes to the podcast listener expecting a heart transplant. Uh, I was very touched by the message that you read in the podcast. Yeah, that was at the end of the podcast on Sunday. Uh, Reggie, I believe it was Reggie in Iowa. And uh, he was very open and honest. And he said, look, if you would share this on the show, just, you know, maybe somebody hears it. Maybe somebody gets the message that if they're having any sort of weird feeling or health issue or potential health issue to get it checked out. Um, it's a pretty crazy story. Uh, and he's in he's in a tough situation right now, but I'm sure everything's going to work out well for him. And if he's watching this or he's going to be listening to this, obviously, Reggie, you know we're all thinking about you. Uh, big Talon 256. Not a big fan of Jay and Jarrett winning, but if FTR are the Jokers next week and win, I'm fine with it. Those four teams have been circling each other for months, so story-wise, it makes sense. Uh, Ricardo De Jesus. 
$10 Super Chat. I liked how the camera twisted slightly during the MJF promo when talking to the camera to Brian's kids. It showed an intense and deranged side, and it was a detail that I appreciated. I can't wait for the match. EJ Slammed with the $4.99. Today I booked my tickets to Arizona for spring training in the World Baseball Classic. I've never gone, but I am super excited. That's very cool. Well, uh, enjoy. I have uh, I have not been to a baseball game in a couple of years. I was at I was at City Field. Actually, I was at City Field not last summer, the summer before that. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm it's 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 that time of year, right, with uh, pitchers and catchers. But yeah, I've I've not been to a World Baseball Classic though, so that's very cool. So enjoy. Enjoy, my friend. DEH Sires, Tony Khan's announcements are the TV equivalent of having a meeting when he could have just sent an email. <laughs> That's actually a great analogy. I love it. That's actually a very good analogy. That's that's a very good way of describing it. It's like having a meeting when he could have just sent an email. Well said. Shaquille Oatmeal. With the four ninety nine, blessed to whoever gifted me a sub. Non AEW question: Do you think Triple H should have had a a TO match? If so, who would you have had him feud a TO match? I feel like I should know what this means, and I'm I'm blanking. Hey, Food Hive is back. He's been missing for a few weeks. I was starting to get worried about him. I thought maybe he got he got kidnapped by uh, Smurfette. Oh, a takeover match. Okay. <laughs> you got it. You got to spell it out for me. A takeover match. I I don't th- now. I mean, I don't think it was necessary. But if he was ever going to have a takeover match, uh, I think Kevin Owens would have been a great opponent for him. I think a Triple H Kevin Owens feud in NXT would have been gold. Uh, as far as you know, so, so, somebody else. Uh, I mean, nobody else immediately comes to mind. I feel like, and Kevin Owens did not spend a lot of time in NXT. You know, Sami Zayn was there for like three years. Balor was there for a while. Um, but I, I think that uh, Triple H and Kevin Owens, that would have been a, a very cool feud. Uh, Shaquille Oatmeal again. Also, many say that Brock is Roman's rival, but I would argue it's Seth, the only man he hasn't beat. What say you? Solemn monsters acknowledge. That's right, acknowledgement. There you go. Put the finger. Put the fingers up in the air. Let's get those fingers up in the air in the chat. Samoa Joe. Mark said Samoa Joe. That's another good option as well. Triple H and Samoa Joe. Yeah, Triple H and Champa would have been good too, but I think Triple H and Kevin Owens would, would get my vote. Hey, Bane, what do you think, Bane? Who do you think Triple H should have wrestled in uh, NXT TakeOver? I agree. Yeah, I agree with Bane. I think that's a very good point. Uh, no, I don't see Seth as being Brock's uh, primary rival. I think it would be it would be Roman. I see what you're saying. I, I know what you're saying, but it's not Seth. Uh, Naughty Delicious Chicken with Flavor Powerhouse Hobbs should be Orange Cassidy's next challenger for the All-Atlantic title. 
Yeah, put it on Powerhouse Hobbs, and then later in the year, you can have Takeshita win the All-Atlantic Championship. Uh, God of Seduction with the two bucks. Sting and Vampiro, or Kane and Mankind? Paint versus Mask. Buy or sell. Yeah, I mean, that would have been cool. I wasn't really a big fan of Vampiro when he was in WCW, but I think that would have been a cool match. Ed Swoggle at AEW. Oh, he's at AEW. Rampage just ended. No one gave a fuck about the reality show announcement here in the live crowd. Good show otherwise for our first AEW show. There is the lovely Katrina on our screen right now. Thank you, Food Hive. Yeah, I I can't imagine why people in the crowd would have given a shit about the announcement. That's actually a great analogy that we had here on the stream a few minutes ago where this was a Tony Khan announcement that was the equivalent of a meeting that could have just been an email. I think that's very apropos. Uh, it's very it's very good news for the company, but I don't think that it needed to be teased and announced in that way. Uh, Naughty Delicious says, people will hate me for this. Only for this. Uh, but Soraya and Tony Storm are boring as watery white rice. I am not motivated. We need to see more imagination from them. Oh, you mean you're not uh, excited to see who they're going to spray paint on television this week? Is that not exciting to you? Also says, to be clear, I don't hate Soraya and Tony Storm. Personally, their material needs flavor and variety. Kind of like your chicken, right? Chicken chicken with flavor. Winston Smith, what's your favorite Price is Right game? I love the Price is Right. I'm the biggest Price is Right fan. The old the old show, the Bob Barker version. Going back to the 80s. Uh, even before Rod Roddy came on the show. And they had Johnny Olsen as the announcer. Uh, big Price is Right fan. Uh, I can't watch the current version. To me, it's just, it's unwatchable. But I have a lot of favorite games. I mean, Plinko is, Plinko is my favorite game. I love Plinko. I've always loved Plinko. I love the uh, cliffhangers game with the little yodeling man going up the mountain. So that's that's up there pretty high. I love the, uh, they had the card game. I was always a fan of that. Super Bowl, which they retired. I used to like Super Bowl. Um, the Any Number game. I like a lot of the games. But Plinko would be my number one. Plinko, Plinko and the Yodeling Man. Glorious one. Why are House of Black constantly on Rampage? Why not build them on your two-hour show that people actually watch? It doesn't make sense to me. I guess they just feel like they're they're trying to put an attraction on Rampage. The problem is they haven't been built up as a big enough attraction yet. And if they win the trios titles, maybe we'll see them on Dynamite. But probably not, because we've been seeing more of the trios champs, it feels like, on, on Friday than we have on Wednesday. I agree. We need to see more of them on Wednesdays. They need to be more of a featured part of the show. And one of the things that... I was worried about, and it has come to pass, is that by doing the whole trios thing, we never see Malachi Black, you know, in, in like a singles match or a big singles program. And I think that's just a waste of Malachi Black. Miro, we don't even talk about Miro anymore. Miro's done. M- Miro's done with AEW. 
I mean, he's been gone for so long. He's he's basically done with the company. So I don't even think about him anymore. But Malachi Black is uh, someone who needs to be featured on this show more often. Rizzo, I said this in the chat on Saturday. I believe AEW uses blood too much and WWE doesn't use it at all. There has to be a middle ground somewhere. Well said. Uh, our boy uh, Delicious Chicken here. Here's a crazy idea to get uh, to every wrestling fan. We should all take a shot of whiskey when anytime AEW has a wrestler who starts to show blood on television. I would not advise that. I would not advise that because you would have a lot of ER admissions for alcohol poisoning. So let's not do that. Our soul. Your reminder to point to the sign. Ah, yes. Of course, on this screen, you can't see the sign, but it is up there. So I shall point. There you go. Justin Hesse with the 999. Go watch Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey right now. It is so bad, it is amazing. I heard that they they made that movie on a $100,000 budget. And the movie made over a million dollars. So that movie obviously was a success, which probably means there'll be a sequel. But yeah, I still haven't seen it. According to Justin, I should go see it. So I may have to do that. Uh, Richie, does Charlotte Flair need to be in a women's Royal Rumble or Money in the Bank to earn a title shot? Money in the Bank, no. I mean, she doesn't have to be in anything. She's Charlotte Flair. All she has to do is cash in her Charlotte in the Bank. What does she need Money in the Bank for? She's got her Charlotte in the Bank. She can cash that shit in anytime she wants to. That's what she did when she came back. What does she need to win the Royal Rumble or Money in the Bank for? Uh, Mark K. Sky Blue had a good match with Soraya. Give her a few more years and she will get to the top. The Storm Soraya heel turn is meh. There wasn't enough heat on Baker and Hater to warrant the heel turn. LaShawn says, who is like Kurt Angle in that they can be completely brutal in the ring but are just as good at being a goofy character? Love the content. I don't know, I always thought Kane was a pretty versatile guy. They had him doing comedy stuff. They had him as a monster. I mean, there aren't very very many people like Kurt Angle who could just kind of switch it off, you know, at the drop of a hat. Kurt, Kurt will go down as, as one of the goats for that reason. Uh, he could do it all. Whatever you needed him to do. Austin says Gable a year from now. Gable Gable's never going to get to Kurt's level. But I think Gable has it in him. I agree. I think Gable has that in him. He has that quality about him. I just don't think he's he's just not going to get to that level. Fire Panda with the $20 super chat drop. Hey, Fire Panda, thank you very much. In your opinion. In the next few years, who do you see going from AEW to WWE? And vice versa. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of people going back and forth. I can't I can't sit here and tell you exactly who it's going to be. I do believe that we will see more EVPs leaving AEW to go to WWE. And I believe that there will be uh, middle-of-the-card performers in WWE who end up in AEW. I don't know that anybody at the very top is going gonna, is gonna to make the jump. Yeah, you know, like a Randy Orton or a Drew McIntyre, um, 
or Brock or Roman or Seth or Becky. You know, people like that are not leaving. They're, they're, they're going to be lifers in WWE. But some of the undercard acts, uh, people will go back and forth. It's just the nature of the beast. Uh, but thank you for the super chat. Food Hive, I am back for 20 seconds and I got immediately bombarded with Smurf jokes. I hate this chat. What is up? Never forget that I carry water for WWE. That's right. Never forget. Apparently, I am I am I am always carrying so much water for WWE. It's giving me it's giving me neck cramps. You know, because I kind of have it draped over my neck. I got a bucket on each side. I'm always carrying so much water for this company. Richie, top five Bret Hart rivals. Uh, no particular order. Owen Hart. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Jerry the King Lawler. I mean, Lawler, think about that. The Lawler and Brett feud, <laughs> technically it stretched out over a period of about two years. All right. King of the Ring 93 is where it kicked off. King of the Ring 95. It didn't even technically end at King of the Ring 95 because then Lawler brought in his dentist. His evil dentist. But, uh, yeah, Lawler, Owen, Austin, and, I mean, how can you not have Goldberg on that list? His his most hated rivals, right? Gotta have Goldberg on that list. And, of course, Shawn Michaels. So there you go. Uh, God of Seduction, wouldn't it make sense for Bray to lead the Judgment I mean, what what is it about the Judgment Day that you feel Bray should be connected to the Judgment Day? It's just another, you know, kind of, it's a, another dark faction. Bray's got his own thing going on. Uh, Joseph Brooks, buy or sell, uh, which of these fantasy matches would you have liked to have seen? Kane against the Abyss? Or the three faces of Foley against the three faces of Wyatt? The Fiend... Funhouse and Wyatt family. Uh, Kane and Abyss. In their physical prime, Kane and Abyss. Would have been a great match. Fire Panda. With another $20 Super Chat drop. Fire Panda coming in hot tonight. I'll, I'll tell you that. 2K is completely disrespectful towards Rey Mysterio, giving him an overall 82 in 2K23. I guess I know one of the people whose overall I will have to change when the game comes out. Why an 82? Why do people make such a big deal about the ratings in these games? I can never bring myself to care. I'm going to buy 2K23. We're going to start doing Sound of Gamer, and I'm going to be completely lost, making an ass out of myself. I don't give a shit what their ratings are. It doesn't make a difference to me. Although I did see the little controversy earlier on where they gave Gunther an 88 rating. And then uh, they started getting criticized because 88, I guess, is a some sort of uh, neo-Nazi or some sort of Nazi uh, symbol of some kind. So all of a sudden his rating changed to 89. Now, now he's got a slightly higher rating, does Goon. 
Naughty Delicious Chicken with Flavor. Have you seen or listened to Kenny Omega's interview on the Swerve City Podcast? One of Omega's coolest, best interviews. Uh, I did not see the entire interview, but I did see some portions of it, including the one part where he talked about a lot of the toxicity and hate that a lot of the Joshi wrestlers get when they come over to America. And they're, you know, they're in a foreign land. They are leaving friends and family behind. They don't speak the language. and It's hard enough for them. And then on social media, they have people saying, you suck, go kill yourself, and like all these horrible things. And, you know, he was getting pretty deep talking about that because, you know, he, he has a lot to do with that. He has a lot to do with the Joshi talent that comes over to the company. And I don't know if he agents their matches per se, but I know that's... You know, very important to him. So I did hear that portion of the show, which was sickening to hear that, uh, you know, they have to go through that. But that's social media. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people who go through that uh, because social media is an inherently toxic platform. Uh, it's sad, but that's that's the way it is. And you have people who have nothing better to do with their lives Uh who are obviously unhappy with their own, who feel like they have to bring everybody else down. And I just thought, listening to him tell that story, I just thought that was very sad. He was talking about how Riho, for example, once said to him, how come these people want me to die? How come they're telling me to go kill myself? I mean, I can only imagine the message. And and, and that goes, I think, to other podcasts too. Certain other podcasts, you talk about the Joshi talent and mock them, and then you have people who turn around and do shit like that. So it's just sad. It's just really, uh, really, yeah. And again, Mar- Marquise in the chat, you know, it's like people made such a, a thing when, when Hanakamura took her life about maybe this will be a turning point. Maybe this could be a lesson for people. No, it's not. It should have been. But there are people who are still doing the same things they were doing before. And that was like not even a wrestling thing. Uh, but you you have a lot of that in wrestling as well. It's It's very sad. Uh, Rizzo, technically Charlotte had a rematch clause against Rousey, so that title win can be explained. No, I thought they weren't doing the rematch clause anymore. See, that's bullshit. I will not give them that out. There was no rematch clause. I thought they did away with the rematch clause years ago. When, when was this reinstated? Don't give them a pass on that. Uh, Love Lie, Bane against Roderick Strong in a backbreaker match. Yeah, I wonder what the update is on Roddy. We haven't seen him in a while. And uh, Justin Glasner. All the Justins in the Super Chats. I had to join in. Well, I'm glad you did, Justin. Thank you for the two bucks. I appreciate it. We we could always use some some new Justins. See, there's the sign. Now I can point to it. There you go. There's the WrestleMania sign. I know it's the Dynamite stream, but I'm still pointing to the WrestleMania sign. That thing's still up there. I do wonder who had the highest rating. I didn't see all the ratings in 2K23. Who had the highest rate? I have to. I have to imagine it's Roman Reigns. Right? He's probably got like 98 or something like that. But I'd be curious to know who got the highest rate. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Roman. That's what I think. Well, that makes sense. But what was the number though? What what is what is Roman's rating? Is it ninety nine? I thought I see. I guess ninety eight. That was my guess. Becky Lynch got a ninety six. That's uh, interesting. Anyway, thank you for the uh, super chats. You guys came in very strong tonight. That means a lot to me. I appreciate it. And we also have. Blown past our likes goal. I was hoping for at least 450, and we're already on our way to 550. We're right around 525. So thank you very much. Uh, Richie says, favorite comic story. I don't know what you mean. You mean favorite comic book? Or uh, I'm not sure what you mean. I, I was into the comics thing for a while when I was younger. I used to collect them. Uh, there was a flood in the apartment in my... In my uh, room where i had them years and years ago and i had them in a it was like yeah those comic book boxes and it was in the box and they were in plastic no less and and they were still destroyed but i had like um yeah i had spider-man i had fantastic four i had fucking archie comics i had i had all kinds of i i had a copy of the fucking ultimate warriors comic when he had his comic book line the flood pretty much destroyed that And I have somewhere a book. It's a hardcover book. I think it's called Marvel Masterworks. And it has, I think, some comics in the book with the comic covers, like the first Spider-Man and stuff. It's, I think it's called Marvel Masterworks. I've had that. God, I mean, I, I have that somewhere. I probably got that in the mid-90s. So maybe what I'll do one of these days. I was, I was toying with the idea. You know, we have a lot of new uh, channel members now. And one of the things I was thinking about doing maybe one of these weeks when I could find some time is I have uh, in a closet somewhere, I have two giant, just absurdly fat, bulbous loose leaves. And in them are all of the cards that I kept. Yeah, they're in the um, plastic slip covers. They're Marvel cards. And Magic the Gathering cards. So for any Marvel or Magic nerds out there, um, as I was for a period of time when I was younger, I, I have all that stuff. I kept it. And uh, I was thinking maybe I would shoot video of what I got and kind of thumb through it, if there's interest in that. Maybe throw that up as an extra for channel members. But uh, you guys will let me know. Uh, let's see here. We got Rizzo. I want to make sure I... Uh, get to these super chats before we go be the booker LaShawn says what is the future for kaylee ray i think she is underrated um she's you know had a good run so far in nxt i think that she'll get the main roster call up at some point and i think she'll do well i don't know that promos are going to be her strong suit she's got that very thick accent um 
I don't know if that's going to be a problem in terms of cutting long promos. If they want her cutting longer television promos, that could be an issue for her. But uh, talent-wise in the ring, I think she's tremendous. So I think she'll get called up. I think she'll do well. Am I selling them? No, I'm not selling them. This, this would just be to show them off. And they're in pretty good condition, too, because, again, they're in plastic. So I have holograms. I'm kind of curious myself just to go back through it because it's been so many years. I, I probably have not gone through them in, I don't know, 25-plus years probably. So if there's interest, I can I can do that. I did that once with the uh, old wrestling magazine that I produced. I just shot video of me. I found it. I thumbed through it. People seem to enjoy that. So maybe we'll make that a bonus extra for members. Uh, Rizzo says, it, uh, thank you for the 20 bucks, by the way. It is like 9-11, where we were all nice to each other for two weeks. That's why I'm sick of all the be kind crap on Twitter. People are nice for a week or so, and then they go back to being assholes to each other. It's very true. I remember when the country was united. Remember that? That that lasted all of a few weeks. And then it was all downhill again. Uh, DEH Sire, Sky Blue would be killing it in NXT. She's improved from where she was when I first saw her on television. She has She has shown improvement. Food Hive says, made sweet chili teriyaki chicken for dinner. What about you? Um, actually had a very good piece of uh, salmon. And I'm not usually a, a fish eater, but I've been trying to uh, expand my palate a little bit. So uh, teriyaki glazed salmon over a bed of White rice with some broccoli and a little bit of teriyaki sauce. So it was very good. Uh, God of Seduction, how do you unwind after a stream? Do you go straight to bed? I wish I could go straight to bed. <laughs> I wish. I have to wait because YouTube will automatically insert ad breaks in the video for me. And when I say they will automatically insert ad breaks in the video, I mean I will go to the screen where I can place the ads, and there will be about 45 ad breaks. <laughs> so I have to delete every single one of them so I can place them myself in areas where it's not, you know, interrupting me in the middle of a sentence. I do that manually, so that takes time. I probably won't get to bed until 2.30 in the morning. So... Unfortunately, it takes it takes time. These things take time. This is hard work. <laughs> you don't think that I end the stream and I just turn the light out and I go to bed. There's a lot more to it than that. Unless you guys want 45 ad breaks in the middle of the stream, which I don't think that uh, you do. Although you're watching it live. This is more for the people on the, well, not the download, but the people who watch after the fact. Uh, Richie says, do you still read comics? I do not. All right, let's uh, be the booker. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time to be the booker. Thank you, thank you for helping us reach our uh, likes goal for tonight. Always appreciate that. The likes do help the video get into the recommended so more people can find the channel. Had somebody say to me the other day, we have to have we have to help Solomonster get his silver play button. We're we're still a ways off from a hundred thousand, but. 
we're going to get anywhere close to 100,000 subs. I need you guys to like these videos. So we will kick things off here with the men's be the booker. As we usually do. Had a bad night the other night, so let's regroup and start from scratch. <clears throat> we begin with Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny, who has wrestled a total of two matches in his WWE career. A tag team match at WrestleMania and a cameo in the Royal Rumble. And actually, in the WrestleMania match, Bad Bunny, who I'm sure had weeks of practice, looked very good. But uh, I, I don't know uh, that I like where this is going here. Bad Bunny is going to go one-on-one -on -one with Logan Paul. It's like the blind leading the blind here. I mean, I know Logan Paul has has taken to this like a duck to water. He's very good, but... It's one thing to have a celebrity match with one celebrity. To have Bad Bunny against Logan Paul. I don't think that's such a good idea. How about that? <laughs> Bad Bunny and Logan Paul one-on-one -on -one in a singles match. How'd we land on that? That should be a belt. No, no, no. no. You got to have somebody with experience in that match. There's too many variables. There's so many things can go wrong. You have to have somebody lead the match. There's got to be a ring general. On the women's side, we begin with old Tombstone Tori. There she is. Remember Tombstone Tori, everybody? Or when Tori was in DX? Surprise, there are that many people who don't know who Tori is. It makes me very sad, but... Uh... We've got Tombstone Tory gonna go one on one with Kyrie Sane, former IWGP Women's Champion and NXT Women's Champion and WWE Women's Tag Team Champion. Kyrie and Kyrie and Tory, I think, has the potential to be a good match. What do you think? Kyrie's in there, so it can't be a bad match. Now over to the tag teams. Let's shake this bad boy up, and we begin with Marquen and Isaiah Cassidy of Private Party. Where the hell has Marquen been? Haven't seen him in a while. Private Party. What was the last Private Party match we had in AEW? Private Party going to take on. Team rated RKO. Edge and Randy Orton. Edge and Randy Orton against Private Party. I Hey, I'd headline an episode of Raw with that match. Or an episode of SmackDown. There you go. I like it. Edge and Randy Orton against Private Party. I like it. That's a good match. It's a good match. Rizzo, with uh, what may be the final super chat here. A piece of advice to the dummies like me who are on Twitter for a peaceful Twitter. 
Don't argue with someone who has single-digit followers and doesn't have their own pick in their bio. Yeah, I had somebody earlier try to uh, put me in my place, and they had a picture as their avatar of a cat uh, with a tiara. Like it was a human body, but with a cat head and a tiara on top. And the person's handle had several digits. It was uh, something, something, five, nine, two, four, seven, seven, six, or something. So, yes. Uh, you usually can spot the bots pretty easily. There's a lot of AEW bots. By the way, on the subject of that, now that I say that out loud, whatever happened to Tony Khan's uh, exhaustive study that he was going to produce about all of the bots on Twitter? Wasn't he working on some sort of uh, survey that he had commissioned or something and he was going to show people the results? Did, did he ever come out with that report? I don't think we ever heard anything about it after that. Whatever happened to the bot report that Tony was going on about? I want to see the bot report. <laughs> I just realized we never got the bot report. Somebody should ask Tony about that at the next media scrub. Revolution, revolution's coming up in less than two weeks. The the independent study, that's right. I, I dare somebody in that media scrum. I dare one of these people, Nick Hausman or uh, is Issa going to be? Maybe Issa will be there. Maybe I want somebody, Sean Ross Sapp, I want somebody to ask him about the bot report. What the status of that is. See if anybody has the uh, the guts to ask about that. Maybe it's still going on. You know, some of these studies, like these medical studies, can take years. Maybe maybe the study is still in progress. All these wrestling journalists out there, how, how come none of them have asked that question? How, how come I'm the one? How come the podcaster is the one who has to ask this question? Uh, naughty, delicious chicken with flavor. Triple H would buy out private parties, AEW kind. I don't think he wants to. I don't think he's going to fight that hard to buy out private parties contract. He's waiting on a bigger free agent. And Richie says, uh, how? I don't know what he's trying to say here. How do new forget about a girl? What? I think Richie... Richie may have had a, ba a bad date tonight, and he may have hit the sauce a little too hard. I don't know what he is trying to say in that super chat, but Richie, thank you. You know, if we are getting this uh, Brock Lesnar Omos match at WrestleMania, I was thinking maybe that's the cinnamon toast crunch match. Very uh, going to be very interesting to see how things play out on Raw next Monday. If this is a swerve, or if that is in fact the WrestleMania match. Richie has corrected himself. He says, how do you, I mean? How do you forget about a girl? Well, you buy one of those neuralizers that they use in uh, Men in Black, and you black out your memory. That's about the only way. Otherwise, I, I can't help you, man. I don't know. They stay, they stay in your head for a long time. They fuck with you. They play games. That's what they do. There's more fish. That's right. Beowulf says there's more fish in the sea. It's like there's more fish in my belly after my delicious salmon dinner tonight. All the fish is in Solomonster's belly. And uh, it will be coming out of a, uh, a different orifice in the morning. All right, so on that note, uh, I thank you.
for all of your super chats tonight. Thank you for the likes. Thank you for the love. Thank you for hanging out with me and spending uh, over two hours of your night here with the sound off. Uh, I'm going to be back with you live after SmackDown, the first post-elimination chamber SmackDown, where we will find out more about this Jey Uso story. Uh, That'll be on Friday night. I will be live. And then, of course, Sunday will be episode 797 of the podcast. And uh, I expect you all to download and stream from your favorite app or your favorite platform and tune in and support the show. Uh, This is a good review. And I want AEW to heat up again the way they were at the beginning of the year when they had that hot streak of great shows. It's cooled off a lot the last few weeks. They've got a big pay-per-view coming up March 5th, and uh, we'll be here to review that as well. And hopefully they can pick back up with the momentum again. Because tonight's show was, it had its moments, but it was a very uh, a solid show, but uh, not a great show. Be well, stay safe, and uh, I will see you guys Friday night. Take care. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.